When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Rock him Welcome to the podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. It's May 19th, which is uh, normally the dead period of college football. But uh, the last couple of days has been crazy. Uh, Nick Saban comes out. Nick, I'm joined by Nick Roush, and we're, we're joined by a special guest, Drew Franklin, who's got to go in a minute. So we'll get to Drew early on this. Nick's at the table and talk about Saban's comments real quick before we get to Jimbo's remarks from today. Well, it started with uh, Nick Saban complaining to Paul Feinbaum about the nil and transfer portal ruining parity in college football, which yeah. I, I thought that he meant like parody, like the joke, but no, he meant like parody is inequality. That was pretty funny. And then he had the audacity to uh, speak to a group of boosters while asking them for nil money to say that. We've got Texas A&M paying for the top-ranked recruiting class. We were number two. They were number one because they cheated. It wasn't because they were better. They cheated. Uh, So Jimbo Fisher, he didn't take too kindly to that. He called for his own press conference, and it was unlike anything we've ever seen, Freddie Maggard. Yeah, and then uh, didn't Saban also take a shot at Jackson State with uh, Travis Hunter signing? Didn't mention Hunter by name, but referenced a million dollars for a player. Drew Franklin, did you watch – I'm sure you watched the uh, Jimbo Fisher press conference. What's your take on this whole situation, man? I mean, it's it's amazing. It is May 19th. We're not supposed to have SEC football at the forefront. I mean, I got the PGA Championship on. We have the NBA and conference finals. And all anyone wants to talk about is what we just watched uh, Thursday morning. I just thought when he called the press conference, that was crazy. And then I wondered how it'd go. I thought maybe he'd take some questions, at least talk a little AM football and then work the saving stuff in. But he just sat down and said, I want all of the smoke. Did he even mention anything that wasn't saving? I mean, it was like he he let it all out and got up and left. I couldn't I was hearing from two of the top three or four coaches in college football, uh, Jimbo being one, just absolutely throwing shots at Saban like that. You can we have to break all this pieces you know I mean there, there's too many moving parts here for me first of all respect to Nick Saban he is the GOAT right he broke his rule he, up until this point Drew I had never seen Saban down this was a, this was this is a punch down and it was it, they were haymakers right uh, so Saban mentioned parody Drew and we'll get to you on this because you got to run Parody's a joke Alabama when you're talking about college football, does Vanderbilt have 59 quality control analysts on their staff? Does Vanderbilt have a waterfall in their training facility? Does I mean, it, it, there is no such thing as parity in college football. That's why the same teams win it year after year, right? Definitely. That's why this is so outrageous. Like, of all people to call out parity, I mean, this is it's Nick yeah. Saban, Alabama. I mean, it's like – uh, Nick's boy Drinkwitz in Missouri calling out Kentucky. I mean, okay, I still don't know about calling out other schools specifically, but, you know, they're on a different level and there's, you know, whatever. But this is Nick Saban yeah. calling out for cheating and complaining about it when I'm pretty sure we all are just of, of the understanding Nick Saban's done some, some recruiting for the last decade. So I'm still – I've now watched it twice all the way through. I'm still in disbelief. 
if we're even at this point, because I, I feel like this is pay-per-view wrestling or boxing we're getting fi- fired up for here. Oh, my goodness, Nick. You, you wrote a piece on, on K- KentuckySportsRadio.com, and your first I – mean, you, you, you mentioned ten things that Jimbo said. First, it's despicable that when he, when he started it out with that despicable, I knew where he was going. And you could tell by his facial expressions. He, he later said confrontation. Jimbo Fisher was confrontational, Nick. Oh, he started – he, he used the word narcissist within the first five, two, two minutes. I mean, when things don't go his way, the narcissist in him doesn't allow things to happen. It's ridiculous. And the part that I love, too, is that he also is directing this at a former assistant. So he's accusing a guy who worked with him for cheating. Jimbo knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, he mentioned not throwing darts when you live in a glass house. I mean, come on, like a pot, meat kettle. That's what makes us so great. Is that it, the entire time? It's when he's pointing his finger at one guy. There's four coming right back at Saban, and I, I, yeah. I just love every single second of it. He also kept calling him God. <laughs> he said, yeah. "When you walk on water, I guess it don't matter." The, Jimbo Fisher. Actually, to to make this the best and most exciting thing possible, we needed him to throw it at Jimbo because Jimbo's just all shucks. He's got all of his sayings. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't I, I don't cheat. I learned that as a kid, and if you did, your old man slapped you on the side of the head. Somebody should have slapped him. Yeah, yeah. So your point about I mean, uh, yeah. Jimbo knowing where the Jimbo knowing where the bodies are buried. He kind of told everybody to start digging. I mean, he said, <laughs> "Look at that." I mean, he knows exactly where Alabama has broken rules. Uh, probably knows just as much as anyone out there, but Nick Saban. And it's like he encouraged everyone to get their shovels out and go find it. I think we've all known or believe there's been a little fun going on. I'm interested to see someone really takes this and tries to dig up Saban since he's playing holier than thou. I'm gonna read a statement from today and tell me. I mean, I think I think I think was crossed in in a good way in the opening statement about being despicable. I'm gonna read you this, and I want your remarks, Drew, from Jimbo. I don't cheat. I don't lie. I learned that as a kid. If you did, your old man would slap you on the side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Ooh. We don't uh, get this in sports. Or two of the best, one of them being the best ever. Talking about slapping each other, like what? What did we wake up to today? When is the next? When's like the coach meeting? When's the next time they're going to be together? I can't in a couple wait. weeks. Yeah, yeah they, a couple weeks. The SEC yeah. meetings at uh, in Destin are yes, right around the corner. <laughs> I think it's Memorial Day weekend. We got media days and we got A and M going to Alabama October eighth. That's going to be the most watched SEC on CBS game maybe ever. It's going to be incredible, absolutely incredible. In these upcoming meetings, that's the first time they're going to see each other talk because Jimbo said he didn't take that phone call. I mean, they didn't they didn't work it out behind closed doors. He worked it out at 11 a.m. this morning and for everyone. So I assume that'll be the first time they see each other at the meetings. We're done. <laughs> that's what he said. We're done. I, 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 can't, I can't even describe to you how much I enjoyed this because like you said, Drew, He was at least kind of tactical in that I don't think he ever said Nick Saban's name once. And when he talked about like living in a glass house or whatever, he wasn't like actually he did. He didn't do what Saban did, which is they cheated for this person and make it like an X, Y and Z. That's like um, an old like liable. Like if you get into the wall of stuff, if you accuse somebody of something specifically and it's not true, you can get in trouble. Jimbo didn't do that. He just kind of set the table and was like, he was saying out loud what everybody's been whispering for a long, long time. And the well, delivery I, still shocks me. He didn't sit down and say, you know, things are going well at AM. We really like our yeah. class. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what happened last night. He sat down, tapped the microphone, and then just started talking trash straight to Saban. Loved it. And, Loved every second fin- of it. And he finished it off by saying, we're done. They're done. You know, you're not my friend. Drew, I, I know that you're a, a literary guy and a, and a bigger. I see SEC media days being a day Lord of the Flies situation. You're going to have one side of the room with Saban. You're going to have the other side of the room with Jimbo Fisher. 
and it could be just a pay-per-view all-out brawl in Destin. Do you see it there? Yeah, I'm jealous. I don't get to go to these. Uh, you, you all and uh, all the other neutral parties, uh, they're going to need lots of extra popcorn or whatever they serve down there for all the people excited just to see what goes down between those two sides. Yeah, I, once a summer, I think we've now seen one of these. We need more of them. I want all coaching rivals calling each other out. Give them immunity in front of the microphone where they won't get in trouble for what they say. But we need – I need Stoops talking about James Franklin. I need whatever coaching beef is out there. It needs to be handled publicly with a press conference like this because that was that was just as entertaining as the football games, especially in the offseason when we uh, need all the stuff we can get. It appears that another – uh, personality-driven coach Lane Kiffin has sided with Nick Saban and actually a side beef with Coach Prime in, in this situation. So if, if we're looking at the SEC coaches, Nick, who's on which side? You have yes. the Saban and you have the Jimbo Fisher. Who's See, on whose side? That, that's what I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, who's going to take which side. You know Stoops is going to be with his old boy Jimbo. They worked together for a long yeah. time. Um, I, I – Josh Heupel, I think it's not in his best interest, even though I, I sometimes I don't know if that guy can walk and chew gum at the same time. He he can't side with the Alabama side. Uh, Billy Napier, this dude's new to the game. He's probably just going to hide in the corner while all this is going down. He's Ryan Lemon hiding <laughs> under a table. Uh, Kirby, Kirby Smart's the interesting one because he's tried to take the Nick Saban model, uh, but – he also might try to use this as an opportunity to get the upper hand on Saban. Uh, so th that's where this could be fascinating. And like you said, Freddie, Saban punched down. Could this yeah. be a way to get a chink in the armor to where the foundation maybe gets a little shaky uh, there in Tuscaloosa? Drew, Alabama has lost three out of the last four national championship games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, now Saban – Loses the number one class in the SEC to Texas A&M. All this is going on with Jimbo. Uh, the transfer portal seems to have rattled Nick Saban, which we thought was impossible for him to get rattled because normally he's just by the straight by the vest, toes the company line, never punches down. Are we seeing the beginning of the end of the Nick Saban domination of college football? I mean, well, he's he's lost – Last four because he's the right way, unlike everyone else. There's, <laughs> but it, it does look like for the first time ever, he's he's rattled. He's normally that Muhammad Ali clip in the corner, ducking punches and smiling. But now yeah. I think he's got little Tweety birds going around his head right now. He's been punched and he doesn't know how that feels. I'm, I'm excited to see how he responds. And like you all said, how the rest of the SEC will align. I think guys like Saban and probably even Kirby Smart have to side with Saban because probably guilty of whatever has gone down. And since Jimbo wants people to start digging, they probably want their names uh, far away from any kind of mess going on. So I think if you've ever been on the Alabama staff, you got to be careful. But it's just, yeah. how did we get here? When, when next? Is, oh. is Saban calling a press conference? <laughs> uh, this, is my, yeah. this is the new drama of the summer. At 4 o'clock today, yeah. Saban's going to be on. So what, how, what, how, will, how will Saban respond to this, Drew, since you got to go in a second? How do you predict Nick Saban respond to Jimbo's remarks from today? Will he walk I, it back? I think he'll walk it back and take the high road just because, you know, he's punching down and he doesn't want to get in the mud. It seems Jimbo's already in the mud to get in there with him. I, just, I can't imagine Saban will fire back from just the way we just saw Jimbo go at him. If I'm Saban, I'll probably show up with all my rings on and all the trophies I don't apologize, but I take the high road just because he's he's going to be on the losing end being Nick Saban in this if they're just going to keep throwing haymakers back and forth. But I, I hope he should and talks lots of trash because it's been great entertainment. If you look at the byproduct of this, Nick, I, I see it. I see Jimbo's words, one, defending his players and his program and, and not taking this from, like he says, the football czar, the God, right? But I also – saw today's remarks from Jimbo as a 10-minute recruiting infomercial because, one, if he, if he knows what's going on or not, whether the rumors are true or not, Texas A&M has a large collective, if I'm not mistaken. Two, how better to talk to parents than saying, I'm going to defend your 17 child. I'm going to defend you. 
in his remarks, was this a recruiting infomercial for Jimbo uh, to try to add to the momentum of signing seven five-star players in this class? Oh, it, it definitely is. It definitely is. And it also, um, like, it's kind of how Mark Stoops had that chip on his shoulder early on in his tenure. It's not to say that Jimbo isn't proven, but kids really respond to somebody who is going to defend them who, no matter the circumstances, especially when nobody's nobody's going to stand up to Nick Saban except for Jimbo Fisher. So I, I really think that uh, he was putting his flag in the ground and saying we aren't going anywhere. It's the perfect way to combat Saban, but kind of like Drew said, I think he's going to try to de-escalate the situation as quickly as possible. Uh, people aren't going to forget this anytime soon, even though Saban's going to wish he – didn't say what he said at, uh, in front of boosters last night. Were you out when that video came out last night? Um, long before we knew Jimbo was going to call a press conference and you know throw gas all over this fire, I was in disbelief at Saban even saying that out loud. Yeah. Like, did he not think there was going to be cameras there for a guy that's been on top as long as he has, and you know has you know really not had any um, controversy, not too many and knows how the media works and how you have to say the right thing. I, I couldn't believe he was that reckless in a room where he had to have known that was going to get out. When he says it, even Nate Oates kind of leans back in his chair like, oh, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I mentioned. I mean, is, is this the crack? Is this this ending of something that, that we've not seen from Nick Saban? Drew, Oklahoma and Texas are soon to join the SEC. Obviously, Texas A&M is in the state of Texas. How will the newcomers – newcomers, the, the Sooners and the Longhorns, how will they align with this? Texas and Texas A&M don't get along on any subject whatsoever. Will, will Texas join Jimbo on this? Will Oklahoma go the opposite? How do you see those three teams managing this situation? Oklahoma, I don't know. I, you could flip a coin, but I just – I can't see – uh, Texas siding with Texas A&M. That's, they're going to become a big rivalry, bigger than they already are, and they can't start by joining the conference and then siding with Jimbo. Like, if we were to join a conference with Louisville, I don't care what the issue is. Mark Stoops wouldn't be able to side with Satterfield on anything. So I think just for the purposes of that rivalry staying as nasty as it is and as nasty as it's going to get, that they would almost have to go against Jimbo. Texas doesn't want this smoke. They are not ready for the SEC. They think they are God's gift of football. They were crying about horns down and made it a 15-yard penalty. You think they could walk into that hornet's nest against Nick Saban? Hell no. Texas, they don't know what the SEC means. They know it means more. They don't have more. They aren't ready for this. If this is an actual fight, the big room and all the coaches are there, and A&M and um... – excuse me, Texas and Oklahoma walk in the room. Texas is going to go stand in the corner with Drinkwitz in his Star Wars T-shirt and hide while the big dogs in the middle of the room fighting it out. So, uh, again, I don't think they can sell A&M, but like Nick said, I don't think they want any of part of this. They want nope. to tiptoe into the room right now. So, Drew, before you run, how does this all end? Is it just going to be Jimbo and, and, and Saban hating each other for life? Will they reconcile? Is this is this the beginning of the end for Saban? Is this the rise of a? How do you see all this playing out? I mean, I don't know Jimbo enough to that he has that you know walking back a little bit. I know the man that I watched this morning looked like he wanted all of the smoke and never wants to have any kind of relationship with Nick Saban again. He's kind of got. I mean, he talked about it, how his dad would smack him around. I mean, he seems like a guy that will hold some grudges and will keep this fight going as long as he needs to. And I don't think it's it's going anywhere. Obviously, they, they play each other. That was the most watched game of the season. But they're going to keep fighting for recruits. How recruits? This is going to come up in time. How are they recruiting? I mean, they, they were already two of the top dogs in recruiting in the conference. Now it just gets even nastier. I, I don't see this ending anytime soon. No matter what Saban says in a few hours, I think this is going to stay nasty. Freddie, Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick Saban said he wanted parity. How do you get parity? You take down the Titan, the big dog at the top. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the beginning of the end for Alabama. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure folks in Tuscaloosa, regardless of the last two days' happenings, are looking for an exit because eventually it's going to happen. Nick Saban's what 70 years old. Uh, I mean, the, you look at two. You look at two coaches right now. 
three. Jimbo was, was would be would have been one. Uh, Dabo Sweeney. I mean, what is he without you know without playing in the ACC? But he did beat Bam a couple times, and then uh, Kirby Smart. Uh, one last thing, and I've said that three times. I'm sorry. I know you got to go. No, I'm loving being watching, here. Watching Jimbo Fisher's remarks. He talks slow during that press conference. Normally, he talks 100 miles an hour. To me, reading body language, that, that told me all I needed to know from Jimbo Fisher, that he slowed down. That dude is pissed off. He wanted every word of all that he said. Uh, heard. I agree with you. It, it, I mean, he was right on point with everything he said, emphasized the parts he needed to emphasize. It wasn't like... Sometimes a coach will say something and they mumble it or either realize they shouldn't have said it. I mean, he wanted everything he said out there and in print because he is not walking away from this fight. My goodness. He mentioned 17-year-old kids and their families like five times early on. I think that was a talking point for the press conference. But other than that, you know, normally when coaches go on, they're given, you know, much like politicians, they're given a – a, a sheet of uh, here's the here's the point you need to hit on. I think the fact that he he pitted the 17 year old kids and their families against the system against Nick Saban. I think that was a point that that they wanted to make. But other than that, Nick, I think it was all Jimbo being Jimbo, man. He clearly made Saban out to be the bad guy. And yeah. Drew, I don't th- I don't think anybody's walking away from today. Uh, just Joe Common fan is saying, you know what, I'm taking Saban's side. Maybe the coaches will when all this falls out. But every person that watched this today was like, yes, Jimbo, yes, get him. (laughs) A lot of Team Jimbo people. I never thought I'd be Team Jimbo Fisher. I didn't care for him until a few hours ago. But Saban has been at the top so long, and no one's really been able to take him down. Clemson's put up a great fight lately, but he's been all alone up there. And now we got Jimbo swinging up with all he has. I think a lot of people are going to be behind him. I, I tried your coffee. I love it. Uh, it's now worth the trip over uh, close to KS Bar. Uh, did Shout you have your cup this coffee. morning? Did you have your cup this morning? I did not. That's my uh, before radio coffee, and I haven't left the house today. So uh, when I don't do radio, it's usually at home because, uh, like Nick, we enjoy the work from home on the blog. Well, you too. But uh, anytime I'm going over, I stop by Badass Coffee. So thanks for bringing that up, Freddie. I'm glad you tried it. It's good stuff. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, it's not the other company uh, that is on every corner. We, we don't like them. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a growing franchise. Maybe one day it'll be that big, but it's from Hawaii, where apparently I'm told the coffee beans are much better. I know they taste better. And the coolest part is they make uh, your ice cubes are made of coffee. So if you get iced coffee, oh, wow. if it melts, you just have more coffee. So I, I really enjoy being partnered up. that up. All right, Drew. Thanks for joining us, bro. It's felt good. I haven't podcasted in a while with you guys. Got to get the van yeah. back together. Yeah, you can stay longer, but I know you got a, a package coming. You got a, and, a, uh, a TV delivery. Ooh. Hey, yeah, yeah, I wrote about, yeah, I wrote about you. I wrote about you in my my post yesterday, Drew, about uh, the one time you tried to explain cryptocurrency to me, yeah. and you could have been a, a dog barking, and I would have understood you just equally. So. Uh, one of my all-time favorite, uh, Freddie, it was, a, I think, a phone call. You, you called me one time and asked if I could teach you how to iTunes. And I was like, well, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really iTunes, but I, I could watch it. But uh, to your point, great stuff on your Will Levis comparison, too. Just a couple of bulls in different eras. And it could not have been more different, bro. I'm, it's, it's, uh, but it's a good thing. And I brought up all that in you know, uh because some has-beens, man, some of the old dudes don't like it, don't like the transfer portal, don't like name, image, and likeness. I happen to like it. Uh, and, I, and that article was showing respect for Will Levis and how different things are in 30 years just at UK. You know, we're giving 20, 20, originally $20 a Friday to last till Monday, and then they jumped it up to 25 Imagine trying to eat. Two days on $25 plus having a social life. That's the only money made, Nick, was $20 uh, 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 for the weekend. And it's just, it's crazy how far it's come. And I, I like it and I'm here for it. So I appreciate the, the, how the game and how 
the players have are benefiting from their play on the field. Now, I will say this, Drew and Nick, I, I'm not for uh, recruiting and getting a, 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 a signing bonus per se. I don't like that part of NIL. I think you have you need you need to earn it on the field, and I don't like the you know the collective and recruiting and all that. That old school about because what have you done? You've not earned anything yet, and, and why should you you know? So, but other than that, I'm all for it, man. I, I love everything about Will Levis, and I appreciate the life that he's living. A little different than mine. But we're doing that uh, football podcast thing where I can never say goodbye. But I did I did want to ask you. Uh, can you see Will Levis going out around the state fighting tough man competitions like that's <laughs> did? I don't, I'm not going to say you can tell on yourself, but I've heard uh, back before football players could get NIL money, they'd go around the state and fight a little bit. Is there a world where you can imagine Will Levis walking into Clay County and just calling out the toughest guy for about 20 bucks? Uh, no, no. Or and arm wrestling competitions, too. I, I can never see uh, Will Levis do that. You know, I see, you know, he, he goes to the Masters. He's playing golf in California and Italy, whatever. I'll, I'll scrape her up about 5 to $10 to go to the driving range. He used to be across from St. Joe's Hospital. And that was their, their big, big golf event, you know. But now to see them benefit from NIL, I really like it. And I appreciate everything going on. Drew, go get your TV, bro. Go Cats. We'll see you later, Thanks Drew. for joining us. See you guys. Freddie, that really, that, that really did remind on. me of the, the old football podcast when we could never end them. You know, we'd be never talking for like an hour and 15, and yeah. we just, all right, time to go. And then we'd start talking yeah. about something else. Um, about <laughs> Forrest Gump. Uh, when all this came out about Jimbo and Saban, the one person I kept thinking about was you. Because some people don't like confrontation. You're, you, you live for it. You, you love this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and the thing was, too, is I was just writing about – the big confrontation in the city of Louisville right now, where we got uh, public school superintendent Marty Polio is threatening to boycott uh, playing private schools because they're recruiting some of his kids. And I, I love, I, it just, I love that kind of that energy, that excitement, that anger. I think some of it is misplaced and misguided at times, like in, especially when it comes to recruiting in the public private thing, Freddie, Every school that's worth a damn is recruiting. If you want to be good, you got to recruit. And to just throw stones, it's it's misguided. Uh, yeah. But I, I, the reason why I don't I don't mean to get too in the weeds for people who aren't involved in the city of Louisville, but the, Louisville's public schools are not very good. The guy Marty Polio, he is a lifer, and he's reached the the pinnacle of what you can be in the the system. And he's putting forth a lot of effort to change it. Uh, there's a 40-year-old outdated assignment plan that's really wreaked hell in the West End that he's trying to fix, um, and I applaud him for it. And one of his big measures is he created uh, the Du Bois Academy, which is an all-male. It's going to be middle school and high school uh, for mostly uh, you know black, less fortunate kids from the, the West End to try to empower them and build them up. They just finished their first freshman year. Their first kids just went through their freshman year. And now you had eight kids that were going to be on their freshman team are going to go play for the defending state champs at St. X. And I get it. I'd be pissed off too if I was polio. But that's not like – it's not to just say let's take our ball and go home. That's not the right way to go about it. Maybe it's a nice threat. But, Freddie, uh, whenever we get into these pissing matches over rules and all sorts of stuff, it's always the adults getting mad. And all it does is hurt the kids. Like th that's all yeah. it is. Everybody just – you. you if I want to be the man, I want to beat the man. And I, that's playing everybody. And that was the, the, the only thing that kind of bothered me about it. I get uh, like the, the reason why he was mad. And also saying X is a little bit brazen about some of their uh, methods, if you will. But like Freddie, they've been recruiting kids to public and private schools, both public and private since before you were born. Like that's just, that's just yeah. how things work. Yeah, you know, when I was in high school, Nick, you know, again, that's been so long ago, you know, it's irrelevant. But when I was in high school, there were only four classes. And the city of Louisville was its own class. I didn't know mm -hmm. if you knew that or not. Yeah, and, yes. Uh, Jefferson yeah. County, uh, to play in the state championship game, you had to win the Jefferson County Championship yeah. in the semifinals. Every school. Which every we only won once. Yeah, at DeSales. Yeah. 
every school in Jefferson County considered 4A, regardless of the size. So they would play for the Jefferson County Championship, then you would have a state champion, and then they would meet for the 4A top. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, things change and adapt. Um, Nick, the transfer portal, uh, I get confused by it. I, I think there was a deadline here recently. What was that for? Winter sports? So uh, you had to put in writing by May 1st or 2nd, I forget what the exact date was, your intent to leave the school in order to be eligible to play football or volleyball or any other fall sport uh, okay. next go around at another school. Now, you know, kids are still putting their names in the portal. Yeah, uh, I don't like, get that. Well, and that's like, like Joey Gatewood, you know, he got a waiver. Like they're, they're still probably going to hand out waivers, but I'm curious if they're going to tighten that up because this week, um, I mean, just yesterday, they, they, they put out some, these are going to be our transfer portal windows so that coaches don't have to be scanning. They, coaches can take five days off in May sort of deal. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you see basketball teams and basketball players that, that are playing on the third and fourth school, uh, the transfer portal, the intention was for a one-time transfer. You're good to go. Then that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but you see, you know, and this, I'm not just singling out basketball, but it's other sports too. You see players on the third, fourth school, and I just, you know, we we all we all want more regulation until we have less regulation, and it, it just causes chaos. And you know, two major things happen in college football at the same time. In essence, the portal and NIL, and you combine those, and it is chaos, man. It is absolute chaos. And uh, what's the answer? I don't know. I think smarter folks than me, and there's a bunch of them out there trying to figure that out. But when you have two cosmic shifts happen at the same time, uh, you're going. To, this is the result you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the transfer portal, let's talk a little bit about Kentucky's incoming transfers. Uh, Travion Robinson from Virginia Tech, I think is a fantastic ad. We've talked about him. He's likely going to be wide receiver one for Will Levis, mm-hmm. and that's a solid pickup. Javon uh, Baker, another wide receiver from Alabama. Uh, I talked to folks around Tuscaloosa. They love this kid. Mm-hmm. So he's a hard worker, does everything right. Just that's a crowded room. Kentucky gets those two. So I think that was a need that Kentucky had to address. And getting those two plus second year Chris, Chris Lewis uh, plus Dane Key, yeah, yeah, Baron Brown. I, I think I think Kentucky addressed a need at wide receiver and got better at the position. And Nick, it's amazing how that room has flipped. Let's go back to, uh, three seasons ago. Oh yeah. Just think about just think about how that flipped. It's it's a it's it's astonishing if you think about it, right? Oh, it definitely is. And you you mentioned something, too, about uh, Baker. I, I did the same thing, too, with, with Darian Henry Young and, and Baker, where you reach out to people around the program yeah. just to, like, is there anything there? And, and for the most part, it's like they might have had an ankle injury, like, when they first arrived on campus and then just right. immediately got buried on the depth chart. And, Freddie, I remember when the portal happened, and initially Kentucky football fans in particular – uh, speaking of parody, you worried about uh, yeah. somebody up top taking your guy because, I mean, yeah. that happened with Jeff Bidette going to Oklahoma. You lost who you thought was going to be your top receiver. To yeah. You thought that might happen in a, a lot. But what I think we're seeing is Kentucky's actually become more of a beneficiary where yeah. these big schools are going to recruit no, – they're going to recruit over everybody. It doesn't matter. They're yeah. not going to slow down for nobody. So – a guy like Will Levis, who you can get the second guy from Penn State. If they pick the wrong guy, you get the right guy, you're the winner. Same thing with, with these guys, with Baker uh, and Henry Young. Kentucky's done a good job of, of waiting. Uh, even if things uh, don't end well in the high school front, they've maintained that connection to where uh, if things don't work out at their next school, Kentucky's a nice, safe landing spot. Uh, where they can immediately upgrade talent in yeah. that wide receiver room, Freddie. I mean, it's, Will Levis has some dudes to throw to. It's not even the same position that was there three years ago. It's, it's a strength. It went from a weakness to a strength. Yeah. I think Kentucky, I think Mark Sleeves has been very strategic with the income and transfers. 
and Kentucky, like you said, has not uh, has not lost a a top player to a quote unquote uh, football power, right? Because that that was my concern. I thought a Georgia would lose two or three running backs and say we need one, and hey, Chris Rodriguez come home and he would leave, or uh, you know, Darren Kennard wanted you know, from Knoxville if Tennessee came. You know, I thought that would happen. I think it speaks to the culture that Stoops has built that the players don't want to leave. Sometimes they do. Yeah. Sometimes See, they do, and that's okay. But you've not lost – you know, last year got kind of dicey when you lost MJ Devonshire and Jabari Brown, the two corners that, that would have played last year yeah. to Purdue and and uh, uh, to Pitt, respectively. So, that you know, but neither one of them likely would have been a starter. Maybe they would have been, but that's the only instances that I think Kentucky – got thin because of outgoing portals. Well, and this brings up, uh, you, you mentioned the word culture. And mm-hmm. Vince Merrill alluded to it when Saban got into it with another coach, Scott Satterfield. Uh, yeah. he, he was digging around where, where Jimbo told him to dig and, and accused Alabama of tampering when their top receiver, yeah. Tyler uh, Harrell, uh, announced 10 days after entering the portal that he was going to Alabama. Everybody knew he was going to Bama before he even hopped into the portal. And yeah, but I, but Vince makes the the best point. Like part of the reason these rules were there is to empower the student athlete. Tyler yeah. Harrell is going to he would much rather play and catch passes from the reigning Heisman Trophy winner than from Malik Cunningham. You know, like yeah. what Kentucky mm-hmm. has, people. People tend to want to be there. You aren't really seeing that at the school down the road, and that's because they're notched down the totem pole right now. They just are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, and the Addison situation, leaving Pitt, you know he's going to USC. He's only visiting these other schools just because. Formality, yeah. Well, that formality and for all the tampering that you heard about USC and the, and the NIL money waiting on him, it's going to turn out he's going to go to USC and then two weeks later, he's going to sign a deal with somebody. You know, mm-hmm. it's just – I think – and I don't know the kid. And this is nothing against the kid. He's just he's just working the system that's in place right now. Yeah. I'm well, all for that. And, and especially but, when they lost their quarterback, first-round pick yeah. to our Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost their, their yeah. offensive – like Pitt lost a lot, and he would a be lot. the only guy there. You can't blame yeah. him for, for no. wanting to play for a team where he has a better support system around him. No. Although it is yeah. – uh, as you said, though, it goes back to your uh, – he's shopping. He's shopping for that oh, big yeah. paycheck. And that's okay because those are the rules that are in place right now. I mean, yeah, listen, the NCAA come out, we're going to do whatever. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah. If they do if they do come down on a school, it's going to be eight years from now, and that player or players are going to be in the NFL or coaching somewhere. And it's going to be players that had nothing to do with it. So – uh, defense, Nick, I think Kentucky was strategic in that. Darren Henry Young, you talked about him. Defensive end from Ohio State, him and Trayvon Ripka uh, are good at that, are going to be at that spot. I think uh, Henry Young needs to put on some weight, get a little stronger. But uh, athletically, he's there. I think he, he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. And uh, he's going to be primarily Kentucky's pass rush defensive end where Ripka can play the run and pass. I think that Dynamic. Uh, aspect of the position at the defensive end will, will go to Darren Henry Young. Yeah, and they, they also not, not only on the defensive line, but uh, you mentioned the guys that transferred out last year. They, yeah. they had to add some depth to that secondary. Got Zion Childers from Texas State uh, after yeah. Vito Tisdale suffered that season-ending injury in spring practice. Uh, yeah. and, and then they also got some depth pieces with J- Jordan Robinson and Kedron Smith, who I expect to come in and, and be a day one starter at cornerback for the Cats. So really plugged some some much-needed holes. Uh, even though Childress isn't the typical mold of this is a proven power five guy that we're just going to have for a year or two, uh, He, I like what Stoop said, where he played quarterback in high school. He's kind of new, but he's played a lot of positions on defense right now. So he's got a good yeah. understanding for the game, and they can use him in a variety of ways. Yeah, you know, if you if you really look at the secondary, Nick, there's not a lot of depth there. Uh, your two starting safeties, Jalen Geiger, Ty Asian, are solid. Vince thinks Asian is a pro. 
And then who mm-hmm. loose behind, you know, love it. But we've seen one day of Jordan Love. And you got to do that 13 days a week or mm-hmm. 13 days a year on right. the game field. And you have to do that through practicing. So I think we have to see some consistency from Love it to pencil him in. As a, I think he's going to contribute. Uh, but Taj Dotson missed spring practice. Is he a quality depth guy? We'll see. But I feel, I feel if if Andrew Phillips can prove that he is he could be a quality starter, I think he, uh, Smith will move down to nickel, uh, especially at 215 pounds, 225 career tackles. That's a lot of tackles. Losing uh, uh, Tisdale, I, I think Smith could play there, or you kick uh, Childress there move Smith to corner. Now you have three. There's a lot of options you can move around. Jordan Robinson is a true corner at 6'4", 195 pounds, comes over from Livingston College. So three pickups in the transfer portal uh, in the secondary tells me that that was a concern for this mm-hmm. staff, and they yeah. addressed it. Well, and that's the thing, too, with Phillips. You you like him, but you don't want him to be the only guy. You need to have three corners regardless. At least three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, At least three. Um, and, and just the versatility between those guys, it gives you some options where you can throw some stuff against the wall and see what sticks in August. Yeah, absolutely. SEC media days. Uh, Man. 18th through the 22nd of July. Is that going to be fun, Nick? <laughs> see, and I hope that the tempers have not died down too much between now yeah. and then. Um, yeah, so. Do we have – let me pull up the schedule really quick to see who goes which days. Um, Nick Saban is not on the same day as Jimbo Fisher, unfortunately. Maybe they, they should probably call an audible, put them at the same time, <laughs> and then we could have a presidential-style debate uh, at the pulpit uh, at the same time. One thing we didn't get to, what do you think – what do you think they're, they're, Greg Sankey's doing over at the SEC offices today? Well, I mean, uh, Jimbo was asked about that, and he said, you know, it's kind of up to the up to the commissioner if they want to find him or whatever. But if you find Saban, you got to find Jimbo. Yeah, you know, they, they they were both out there. Well, so and, I, and they don't want to. He calls them. Yeah, he calls both of them. Uh, not to the carpet because these coaches make so much money mm-hmm. and they're so powerful at their schools. They really don't answer to anybody. Right. So, uh, and, 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 and I hope that he doesn't, because here's the thing, it's a net positive in general because SEC football is going to be on sports center in the opening segment in May Yeah. during the yeah. NBA playoffs, during the NHL playoffs, PJ championship yeah. day. So like, it's it is a net positive, uh, but you can't you can't say that that out loud. So yeah, they'll probably have some statement, and we all need to come yeah. together and blah blah blah. Oh, but yeah. like, yeah. they gotta kind of like it though, you know. You get your two yeah. national championship head coaches uh, doing in in the month of May. Yeah, and there'll be some strategic pictures taken in, in Destin in a couple of weeks. You know, the SEC will want to. Give off the vibe that hey we're we're in this together, but we know they're not. It's like uh, a, me, they'll treat it like siblings who were squabbling, but it's just yeah, a it's just yeah. a brief little spat. Like no, these yeah. guys hate each other, and they're going to hate each other forever. <laughs> yeah. So you and I are going to media days, and it's in Atlanta this year. I thought it was in Hoover, but it's in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, I wish it was in, but we'll do Atlanta. Uh, well, one thing that uh, Freddie, I know it, it doesn't have the. Uh, the small charm that you get in Hoover, but I think you will at least appreciate the bells and whistles are kind of fun where they, they, they do it in the hall of fame. Like, yeah, well, I get to see my coach's name, Jerry Claiborne's in the college yeah. football hall of fame. People tend to forget that. Uh, so I, I, I want to visit his, where he's uh, in the hall of fame. I want to see that. So yeah. It's and we got cool. some exciting uh, stuff that we're going to bring to you. Can't talk about it now. And which brings up, you know, why has the depth chart podcast not been up? Nick, people don't know this, but I do a lot of other stuff for KSR than just uh, write and do podcasts. And, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's been a, it's, this is my busy time of the year doing my other stuff for KSR. So, you know, you don't uh, look like a door to door salesman, but my God, you put on a good pitch, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have great partners and uh, we like to highlight them and, 
Uh, that's that's what I do. And in the off season, I, I kind of just focus on that. So during the season, we can we can play, right? So right, right. Uh, Got to work to play. So that's what I do. Uh, the draft. We've not talked about that. Wondell Robinson went earlier than I thought he was going to go uh, to the Giants. I think that's a good fit. New head coach. Quarterback, we'll see. But uh, I, they seem to really like Wondell uh, in New York. I've heard some Tyreek Hill comparisons, which I think is a little much because they're not yeah. the same player. No, uh, I, I think that's unfair to Wondell because Tyreek is the fastest player in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Wondell is not that. I mean, he's fast, but he's not. He's shifty, not yeah. as much vertical yeah. fast. He, he, as I mean, Wondell – how many times can you remember last year where he got caught at like the five yard yeah. line after breaking right. 17 tackles? He's much better operating in traffic. My hope, yeah. Freddie, this is my big blue pipe dream, is that after Kentucky wins the SEC championship with Will Levis, uh, he gets taken by the Giants with the six overall pick. Yeah, yeah. Running back. Well, I mean, next year's quarterback class is going to be uh, interesting, and I think Will Levis is right in there. Uh, I did KSR a month, a month and a half ago, and I said that Will was going to be a first-round pick. And some people thought I was a little off that day. But I, I believe that then. I believe that now. And a bunch of mock drafts uh, were just writing what Freddie was saying. I mean, yeah. pretty much all yeah. – it was hard to find a mock draft that didn't have him at least in the first round. I don't. Yeah. I know yeah. there was only a few that were uh, taky enough to put him number one overall. But uh, it's, it's Bryce Young and C.J. Stratt are at the top. Yeah. right now and then there's just a there's a group of four or five guys where you got tyler van dyke in miami yeah uh kentucky's yeah. will levis there's there, there's a group of them there and with a another solid season at kentucky if he can really take that next step with rich scangarello yeah. i think i think the reason why some people are surprised freddie is because will levis was good and, and he was good on a good team but they they can't believe it and, and part of it's a the interceptions last year, and he didn't yeah. – uh, the, the deep balls weren't as accurate as the season went on. But we also have to remember, too, that was his first year as a starter. And yeah. we, we saw we saw him at his – what should be his worst. And I think what was most encouraging about his play, Freddie, is he improved throughout the year. And he, he steadily, steadily progressed, especially with his feet. I know that's a big sticking point with a lot of these people is uh, yeah. improving his footwork and uh, and how he operates. Uh, but, like, that Georgia game, you know, that was where a lot of NFL draft analysts caught him. They were like – they were watching all those first-round picks on that Georgia defense. They're like, you know what? This Kentucky quarterback makes some throws. Well, I mean, and also, Nick, he had one receiver. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And everybody in the stadium knew that he was going to throw the football to Wondell Robinson. It worked against and, Iowa. <laughs> and still had success. So you give him more weapons, you surround him. Uh, before we get into the draft even deeper, let's go back to the transfer portal just for a second, Nick. It doesn't appear Kentucky's going to add a tackle. Mm -hmm. um, tells me a few things. DeAndre Buford has taken a step at left tackle. Was a four-star from Detroit King High School. Uh, a lot of high expectations, but we didn't hear from him. He didn't play last year because Wolford didn't rotate tackles, and, he, and that hurt the team. That hurt DeAndre Buford's development. Jeremy Flack seems to have locked down right tackle, and they're happy with David Wallabaugh being a rotational tackle. Yeah. And then you still got Keontae Gilvin, who's a true freshman, so we'll, we'll give him some grace period. But uh, it doesn't look like a tackle. Yeah, and – the the person that I kept missing from this equation, because we always bring up Keontae because of just his God-given skill, his talent. Yeah. Um, and the thing I liked watching Keontae at spring practice is he didn't look like a true freshman out there. Not just his size, but like his bend and yeah. all, all of the just kind of little things that you look at an offensive lineman. He obviously looked raw and wasn't just dominating people, but he also didn't look out of place. But Wallaball yeah. was the one that uh, I had a conversation with somebody after spring practice. I, yeah. I, they they feel pretty comfortable about him being a swing tackle. So yeah. uh, his versatility, uh, I think, is something we can't sleep on going into the season. I've had the same conversation with the same result, Nick. They're, they're very happy with David Alabama, yeah. and uh, that, that's a good thing. Let's get back to the draft. Josh Pascal, I missed by one pick. No, oh, no. I had him going 45th to the Ravens. He goes 46th to Detroit. Yeah. Missed that by one pick, man. I I, I just <laughs> knew the Ravens would bring him home at 45. He, he, he like a Raven. But that's, you know, Josh is, is going to play. 
and he's opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, but the selfish side of me, I love Josh Pascal. The selfish side of me on that is that now Kentucky's got an additional recruiting presence in Detroit. Oh, I didn't you know, think of that. You know Josh is going to get public. You know Josh is going to be active in the community and Josh Pascal. So I think that's going to help Kentucky back in Detroit because you lose clean scale. I don't know if Vince has spent some time up there, but now you've got an outside voice singing all things UK with Josh Pascal. Luke Fortner, I nailed yeah. the team. Nailed the third that. Round. Yeah. Yeah. I did uh, not know that they were going to trade up from 65 to 60. Yeah. See, the Jaguars, 65, I, that's when I predicted Luke. He goes 60th to the, to the Jaguars. It uh, it was one of those things too that was funny. Uh, because I talked to him, I don't know, a day or two after he got picked, and he was like, you know, Vince told me I was going to be the first pick of the third round of the Jaguars. I thought he was just blowing smoke, but sure yeah. enough, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd heard, I'd heard that if if uh, that there was some discussion about taking him in the second round at Jacksonville, and if he was there pick one of the third round, they were going to take him, and they did, which led me to uh, quickly buy a Jaguars hat. Uh, I made it was my first ever online purchase, Nick. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Well done. Which, which is dangerous because now I have an account with the Jacksonville online store. Uh, so, Darren Kennard. Uh, he, he looks – I will say, Luke's skin uh, – his fair skin and the the, oh, the Florida sun and that get, teal. He's going to get burnt, man. <laughs> he, he just, it's, it's so funny to me. But yeah. I, I'm happy for him, though, because um, I don't know if it was with Lucky or somebody, but, I mean, he could be the Jeff Saturday to Trevor Lawrence, you know? Oh, and, yeah. Like, and Absolutely. I just I, – I, I know he's going to succeed. I just – I have faith in Doug Peterson. Uh, it's like yeah. – it's the exact opposite of Urban Meyer. Uh, yeah. I just hope that Trevor Lawrence is who we thought he was. Because uh, yeah. that, that's going to – that can really – you know, it's a symbiotic relationship there, you know. Yeah. If, if Trevor there, Lawrence there, does well, then so can Luke. There were two teams I did not want Luke to go to, Jacksonville or Houston, and he goes to Jacksonville. Uh, I already got tickets. Going to be at the Giants at Jaguars on October 22nd. Because the 21st is UK's bye day, bye game. Oh, bye nice. Week. Yeah. And That's awesome. We're, we're going down in December on the 11th for the Jaguars at Titan. So, already oh. got tickets to those. I, uh, oh. a quick Google. Oh, no, they're on the road. Dang it. I was, I was hoping that uh, maybe the Jags were at home the day after Kentucky plays at Florida, but I don't that, – that they're actually on the road at Washington to open up the season. That's unfortunate. But but yeah. being in the NFC South or AFC South, they are going to play around here a lot. they got to play in Nashville yeah. and Indianapolis once yeah. a year. So. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, it's good they're going to be in Tennessee. And then I, uh, with the Giants, get to see Wondell. And hopefully Yusuf Corker, because a lot of talk about Yusuf Corker making that Giants squad. He they got a pick on his uh, first day of practice. He did. Yeah. Darren dropped to the fifth round. I mean, we can get into why, but there's really no reason to now. Um, but, but look at this. The Chiefs signed Kennard in the fifth round and Trey Smith in the sixth round in back-to-back season. Yeah, I mean, All-Americans. Consensus All-Americans all at their position. Starters. Like, starters. Yeah. The value, that's how they can pay Mahomes a million, zillion dollars. That's how <laughs> they can pay, you know, Kelsey and – most that I think you know, looking at the draft and, and Luckett is is really the I think Kennard is one of the most valued picks as far as financially in the draft right, because right. he's drafting a starter in the fifth round. So he you know you, he's going to play his rookie contract, which is not going to be a lot of money, and and that's that's a lot of value. Undrafted free agents, I'm hearing really good thing about Justin Rigg in Cincinnati. I think he's got a chance to. to to latch on there and to make that roster because of uh, familiarity. Uh, I also heard that they were they were considering drafting him late, but they 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 signed him. They like what he's doing, and then Newsom Corker mm-hmm. is doing good things. Yeah, uh, with with New York, I've not heard anything on McCall, right, and Carolina or Mosley with the Cowboys. And, and the thing with Rig too is 
not only familiarity and system, you know, like we heard Zach Taylor Super Bowl week talking up Cohen and everything he was doing yeah. there, but also, you know, he worked out with them prior to. So a lot of that does yeah. line up. And even if he doesn't make the squad right away, I feel like the Bengals get 17 injured tight ends every year. You know, yeah. like how many times was Tyler Eifert just uh, three games and then done for the year? You know, he can easily go on that practice squad and be called up by week three or four and then start catching passes from Joe Burrow, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And and I think Justin will, will at a minimum make that practice squad uh, and be a player that they could play for a long time. Uh, but McCall, uh, you know, that's, fascinates me that he didn't do anything at the combine you know didn't didn't run didn't you know didn't bench didn't do anything that I, I don't know if that hurt him or not but uh, we'll see how he does in Carolina and hopefully it works out well for him um, but I mean you get uh, you get three players picked in the first 60 picks I think that's a game for Kentucky it helps recruiting and then uh, you move on to next year if, uh, going back to media days real quick before we jump off here, you know, th this is the first year, first year in a while. I mean, we're not looking at any surefire first-team all-SEC players from Kentucky. If, if you really study uh, offensive line, Cox was a New York All-American, but missed some time. He, he could be uh, – Levis is not because you got the high winner at Alabama. You know, he's going to be the first-team quarterback. Receivers, I, yeah. no. Yeah. Tight ends, no. Uh, running back, Rodriguez should be, but he's never, you know. He, yeah. He, he doesn't have the, the pop that those media folks like. Um, right, when right. He's, but he's probably the, the best chance at getting one. It's kind of like uh, – I forget the kid from Vanderbilt, the running back a few years back around Benny's time. What was his name? Um Vaughn. Vaughn, yeah. Kind of similar in that underrated workhorse that yeah. I, I think he was preseason first team that year, if, yeah. not, if not second team. But he's probably your best shot because you're right. There, there will be a lot of uh, second well, team kind of choices. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, first team, you're right. I can't. Yeah. I, I, defensive line, no. no. Linebacker are, is good, but no. Yeah, um, and I don't know how they classify JJ, and I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, especially with freaking Will Anderson in there getting seventeen hundred yeah, I mean, tackles yeah, for a loss. Is hey? Here's a question, Freddie. Can Will Anderson? Can he be the best defensive player since um, White at Tennessee or the the big linebacker from Bama? Derek uh, Thomas. Yeah, I mean he. That's a that's a big shoes, man. This, but, but that. I, yeah. That's what I mean, though. I can't think of a, a defensive player to dominate the game like him in the in this century. You know, Let, let's just compare the position, Nick. Uh, there is so much Derek Thomas. Derek was bigger, looked thicker than him. He had those big shoulder pads that y'all had yeah. back then. But I, I, you know, I, and I'm a huge fan. I mean, you know how many times I talk about about him. Uh, you know, I was a huge fan of his then, and and may he rest in peace. Uh, you know, but you know, just like that that post that I wrote, Nick. You know, there's a part of me that really does that today's athletes are bigger, stronger, faster, and better. Uh, but Derek Thomas was a dude, but Derek Thomas was not a dude on every snap. That's mm -hmm. the difference that I see. And after seeing both of them, I didn't play, obviously, I didn't play against Will Anderson, but Will Anderson's motor is, yeah. is, is pretty high. It's better uh, than Derek Thomas. Now, when Derek Thomas wanted to play, nobody could block him. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was over. I mean, right. ball game over. But I think I think Will Anderson has a has a better motor. Uh, man, that's a great question. Uh, well, and uh, and what's what's crazy too, Freddie, is that uh, somebody's going to get a steal out of him. If you're a bad team in the NFL with a quarterback that you just drafted recently, you could end up getting just the baddest ass at like the third or fourth pick, just because teams are so desperate to get quarterbacks. 
I don't think I could be a bigger fan of a non-UK player than I am of Will Anderson. He's um, so awesome. He is so good. And <laughs> so good. he turned down NIL to be a distraction. Now, I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. That's saying who he is. You know, he stepped up and he wore people out on that Alabama team because he wasn't happy with how things were going. Uh, he is so dynamic. I thought he was the best player in college football last year, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was close, to be honest with you. So we'll see. That That's a great question. Uh, if you're listening to this and, and the podcast, comment on that in a little comment thing. You know, is Will Anderson the next – is he as good as Reggie White and Derek Thompson? Question. Excellent, Nick. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I know we've been a little bit long, but we've not been together in quite a while. Appreciate you listening. I hope you like us and subscribe to us. Tell your friends about us, Nick. I, I, I know you're you're chomping to get back to the uh, Saban and Jimbo drama that's going to unfold today. And uh-huh. uh, we're going to hear from Saban. We'll see what he says then. Oh, it's going to be exciting. Love it. Happy to have this much juice in the air on, on, yeah. in, in the middle of May. 100%. Thanks, everybody. Have, have a great day, and, and we'll talk soon. We'll jump back on here maybe once more or twice more before media days, and then you're going to hear from Nick and I, what, two times a day down there? Maybe. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. At least. It's going to be a lot of fun. So. A lot of fun. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Nick, have a great day, buddy. We'll see you.